Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Take your copy of God's Word, please, and find Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. And as we find that, as we get into our message this morning, I want to take just a moment and give a a brief shout-out to uh, Danielle Rima, our children's ministry director, and our entire children's ministry team that that ministers to our kindergarten to sixth graders. Uh, The reason why I highlight their ministry is because recently they, they refurbished our game room downstairs for our kids. They've got a great place to go Uh, before Sunday morning as well as Wednesdays and enjoy have fun have fellowship and all the rest but here's the cool thing about it okay on Wednesdays Wednesday evenings uh, Danielle and their team are going to open up that game room starting at 5 45 p.m. okay 5 45 p.m. now look parents if you have children of that age you can't just send them down the slide and call it good okay you got to take them down there and actually sign them in but here's the, here's the big benefit for our church, okay? As many of you know, every Wednesday evening from 6 to 6.25 here in the worship center, we do house of prayer. And it's a time when, when anyone can come, get quiet before the Lord after a very busy day, uh, spend some time and praying for some specific things, and then we're off to our 6.30, uh, ver- the variety of discipleship opportunities we have. And, and the great thing about house of prayer is that if someone, I guarantee you, If someone steps into house of prayer on Wednesday evening or Sunday morning, for that matter, because we also meet in the loft from 8.30 to 9 for house of prayer, but if you step into that environment for 15, 20, 25 minutes, quiet yourself before the Lord and spend some time in prayer, your 6.30 discipleship opportunities are going to be that much more powerful, that much more meaningful, that much richer. I guarantee it. And so what this does for us is that if you have children... In, in the kindergarten to sixth grade age demographic, okay, you can get them engaged downstairs and that frees you up, mom and dad, to come to House of Prayer. I would love to have you here, if at all possible, joining us in prayer 6 to 6.25 on Wednesday evenings or again Wednesday or Sunday mornings from 8.30 to 9. Now, one of the things that I heard just two days ago uh, it just absolutely blessed me and challenged me as I was listening to a podcast uh, talking about preparing our hearts in prayer for what God wants to do, okay? So they were interviewing, a couple guys were interviewing one of the campus leaders from Asbury University. Uh, that's where they had the revival, the big revival earlier this year. Many of you know Shara and I traveled to Wilmore, Kentucky and spent two days at Asbury experiencing this unbelievable time of refreshing uh, from the Lord. But in this podcast, we, we were learning some of the behind-the-scenes things that I was not aware of. So, for example, they had a prayer room off to the side, and this was a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day, went on for 16 days, worship, teaching, just unbelievable, all led by college students or campus leaders. But whoever was going to step out on that platform, whether they were preaching, whether they were singing, whether they were beating on a box drum, giving announcements, it didn't matter. Anybody that was going to step out on that platform was required to spend at least 30 minutes in that prayer room just spending time with God. They call it the consecration room, right? Anybody, 30 minutes or more. They actually had a few celebrity, Christian celebrities, and I hate to use that phrase, but that's kind of what these people were. Christian celebrities come in and said, hey, we'd love to participate. How can we be a blessing? And you know what the first thing the campus leaders told those celebrities? Go to the consecration room 
and go spend some time with the Lord and see if you're ready to step out here. And according to the guy they were interviewing, there was a couple of these big shots, quote-unquote Christian big shots, who went into the consecration room, and they didn't come out. They just stayed there. And later on they said, we realized we were not ready to step onto that platform. Now, I took that as a challenge to myself. And, and, and I mentioned that to our worship team as well. But if it's a, listen, if it's a challenge to those of us up here, how much more is it a challenge to all of those folks who are out here, right? Taking time to prepare to be in God's, you know, you don't just waltz into God's presence and say, here I am, God. I'm here at church, right? In many ways, the battle is fought before you ever show up to church. Preparing your heart and, and getting ready. I only say that because, again, I'm so grateful for Miss Danielle and, and their team that has made this opportunity available where perhaps House of Prayer becomes more accessible to some of our parents with young children. Now, that said, we want to get into our teaching series. Once again, Word Wars, Episode 4. Uh, we've been in this for several weeks now, and, and there's some themes that we've been repeating uh, that I might stir you up by way of re- reminder, as Peter said, in, in the book of Second Peter. Uh, for example, uh, the words that come out of our mouths, I think you know this by now, are, are, are products of our hearts, right? Well, our, our, our words are simply reflections of what's in our hearts. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and I've shared with you many times, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. I mean, you, you've got to take ownership for your words, because you can't blame somebody else, you can't blame your husband or your wife or your kids, your, your co-worker, your boss, it doesn't matter. The, the words that come out of your mouth are exactly that, your words. And they have an impact. Words matter for good or for ill. And that's never been more true than in our homes. Isn't that right? It's, words have a greater impact to either bless or bruise under our own roofs And there's a reason why. Actually, there's three reasons why. First of all, I'd give you the word priority. I want you to think about this. Your family relationships are the, I'm talking about your marriages and with your children now and your parents, brothers and sisters. Those are the most important physical relationships you will ever have on this entire planet. Okay? That that we see that in the scripture. It's so very true. You've heard me say this before. The family is, is the last thing we have left from the Garden of Eden right? Everything else is gone. The family is all we have left from the Garden of Eden. Is there any surprise that the devil has aimed all of the artillery of hell against your family and against mine? Because he wants to wipe this thing off the face of the earth. So just understand, if you're in a family, you've already got a target on your back. And the devil would love to use the words that come out of your mouth to wreck and to ruin. Priority. Now let's think about proximity. Okay, there, there's a proximity. You live with these people. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? And, and God has placed you within this family under the same roof within the four walls, and there's a proximity there. Okay, so, so that we tend to let our hair down a little more because we're so familiar with the people uh, that we're married to and, and, and the people that live with us in our own homes. I will tell you, this series has been a huge challenge for Phil Kramer. You know why? Because every single week I've been thinking, man, I got to keep on my best behavior. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that I'm talking about in these messages where if, if I'm saying one thing on Sunday morning, but I'm living it a different way during the week, 
my family will call me out in a skinny minute. I can guarantee you that. I do not want to be the big hypocrite that's disqualified from preaching. As a matter of fact, earlier this week, getting into this message about the home, I said, Lord, please don't help me, to have a, help me not to have a fight with my wife this week because it would really make me look bad if I was up there preaching and we just had a big old fight. Well, praise God, you know. So anyway, there's, there's a proximity there, right? That to the people that, that we love the most in our homes, that's why this message is so important. And, and of course, there's also the privacy factor, okay? The privacy factor. Again, here you are in your home with, with a roof over it, and just, just admit it, we tend to behave a little differently in, in the privacy of our own homes than we do out and about in town or at work or in other places. We, we tend to be a little more reserved. There, there's a certain side of us that only our family sees because we have this, this privacy, right? But, but, but there's a challenge there. It, it, there's a huge challenge because there are times, men, when you will talk to your wife in a certain way that you would never talk to her outside of your home in public, right? And, 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 and ladies, it goes the same thing for you, and parents to children, children to parents. We, we almost feel that this privacy gives us a certain degree of license to speak and to speak in a certain way, and oftentimes in a demeaning way, and in a negative way, in a way that's not life-giving. And so for all of these reasons, we're going to talk very specifically today about the words that we speak in our homes. I, I want to direct your attention to Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Wouldn't you like your home to be filled with rare and beautiful treasures? Oh, I'm not talking about expensive antiques or or fancy artwork on the walls. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the, the words, the rare, the verbal, beautiful, and rare treasures. You say, well, what are those treasures? Okay, well, I'm going to give you four of them this morning. We're going to talk about each one. Uh, those four are love, humility, respect, and prayer. And, and, and I am praying that God would increase those rare and beautiful treasures in my house as well as in your house. So let's talk about the most beautiful treasure of them all that, that you could have in your home, and that is love, okay? Love. Uh, the, the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, let's read a few verses from that. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, isn't that wonderful? And don't you think that, that those words would be manifested verbally? God is asking us and commanding us and, and, and giving a mandate that those types of words would be manifested in, in our homes, right? Is that true in your home? I mean, when was the last time you kind of stepped away from the conversations and just listened to the types of words and the tone and all of that? Listen to what Paul David Tripp said in one of his books. Listen to the talk that goes on in your home. How much of it is impatient and unkind? How often are words spoken out of selfishness and personal desire? How easily do outbursts of anger occur? How often do we bring up past wrongs? How do we fail to communicate hope? How do we fail to protect? Stop and listen. 
And you will see how much we need to hold our talk to this standard of love. And how often the trust we profess to speak has been distorted by our sin. Now you think about the basics of communicating love verbally in the home. Most, most basic form of verbal communication in this vein of, of them all is simply the three words, I love you. Right? I mean, we, we, we know that that's important. We know that it's important to express that, but, but do we? I mean, do we really express that? And I know guys, I mean, listen, usually the guys are the ones that are identified as the biggest culprits. Dads, right? I mean, we just, I don't know what it is, but there's sometimes a reluctance to, to say those, and I'm not talking about love you, love you, right? I love you. Maybe it was generational, maybe it was a personality issue, but, but growing up, and really until the time I turned 18 and then my dad lived for another seven years after that, the number of times that I remember my dad saying to me, I love you, I could have counted on one hand and probably had two fingers left over. Again, maybe it was generational, uh, maybe it was a personality issue, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if I was to take a poll right now, if we were to take a poll and I was to say, how many of you in this room over the age of 40 remember your dad saying I love you to you consistently lift your hand just lift your hand if you remember that okay there, there's a few but not a lot okay not a lot the majority of people in this room are either too ashamed to lift their hand or too scared or there's a lot of people who did not hear that as consistently as they could have okay for anyone here under 40 if, if, if your dad was or still is the kind of guy who consistently told you, I love you, lift your hand, under, under 40. Okay, all right, we've got a number of those here, all right. But the fact is that, that, that so oftentimes, and it's not just dads, it's, sometimes it's mothers, and sometimes it's brothers and sisters, and parents to children, and children to parents. That we, we don't express this, this verbal love, this explicit verbal love as often as we should. It's so simple. But if we were to step back from just these simple words, I love you, and we were to step back and consider all of the, the verbal uh, affirmation of love that, that, just, that parents can give to children, for example, what, what type are we, are we hearing in our homes? Right? I mean, it's, is it possible that, that our words to our kids are more like, hurry up, Get that done. Why didn't, you, why didn't you finish that task that I gave you? Right? This, this compliant-based parenting, which has its place to some degree, but, but the, the, the volume on that should never exceed the volume on verbal communication of love. L listen to this. Just watch this little video that they, they interviewed some children. Watch this. Take one. How are you? Good. I'm so glad to see you. At your house, what do you hear your mom and dad saying most often? Get off the couch. Come over and do the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, go clean your room. Oh, hurry up, hurry up. And you need to do your laundry. I'm not warning you again. Be quiet. Why? Because we're really loud. Who took this? Who ate that? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? You're being distracting. 
Yeah. Like, I need you to calm down. Clean your room, do mm. your chores. My dad says no. That's, like, right. all I hear. Okay. And, and what's your mom? mom says, like, hurry up. What have you done productive today? To unload the dishwasher, to clean the table, to wash the dishes. Remember to bring your lacrosse stuff to lacrosse practice. Clean up your desk. How did you not find that? I was right there! <laughs> What's the nicest thing somebody's ever said to you? I'm funny, and my teacher says I have a good imagination. Someone said I like a really nice personality, mm -hmm. and that I can be really respectful. Your smile's contagious. One of my friends said, like, you're the best person in the world. Really? How did that make you feel? Like somebody really cared about me. Yeah. My coach, I, I love him because yeah. even if we don't win or don't have a good mm -hmm. game, he'll be like, you guys did good. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell us what we did best and what we need to work on. What's the very favorite thing your mom and dad have said to you? That they're proud of me. Yeah. They said you're gonna do great things one day. I love when my uh, mom and dad like say I'm awesome and cool and like they love me. I like to hear like good job, well mm -hmm. done, congratulations, stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's I love you. Really? I really like that. My mom says I'm special sometimes. Yeah. And my dad says I'm a really hard worker. Well, that must make you feel very valuable. It does. Mm -hmm. She says like I'm beautiful, smart, pretty and stuff. Yeah. Makes me feel nice and makes me feel more confident and positive. My mom always tells me that like I'm the most determined. So that's always stuck with me. Like if I have a project, I just remember like I'm the most determined one. <laughs> if I actually want to get this done, I can do it. My dad tells me very frequently, and my mom, my mom tells me this a lot too. I'm glad you are my son. Mm -hmm. I just love that. Isn't that good? Right? Yeah, yes, absolutely, Mom and Dad. There are times when we need to hold our kids' feet to the fire. Absolutely. And you got you to turn the volume up on that every now and again. But I will tell you, you never want the volume on the correction and, and, the, and, the, and the admonition and all the rest to, to be louder than, than the volume on the love and, and the affirmation and the, and the encouragement. And, and yet so many times we default to, to this rather than to this. So that, that rare and beautiful treasure of love, got to have it. Got to have it in our homes. Here, here's the second thing, okay? How about humility? The, the, the second rare and beautiful treasure is humility. Uh, let me give you some scripture. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You know, humility. You, you, you think about the, 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 this powerful passage of Scripture that sets a mandate for us to consider others in our families more important than ourselves, and others-centered family. Husbands that look to their, to their wives' needs more than their own. Wives that look to their husbands' needs more than their own. Parents that look to their children, and children that look to their parents. There's a humility factor there. And, and, and the opposite of humility, of course, is pride. And is pride not the source of all of the fighting and the arguing that takes place in so many people's homes, right? Because we've got to have our way, and we've got to have it now. And I think we all agree that there's no fighting like family fighting. Isn't that true? Think about what the Bible says. Proverbs, again, 17, verse 1. Better a dry crust of bread with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. 
fighting and feasting. Nobody wants that. We, we, all this fighting? And I mean, of course, the Bible has a lot more to say specifically. Look at this one. Proverbs 21.9, better to live alone in a rundown shack than share a mansion with a nagging wife. Now, I know some of you husbands are out there. Not The first service, I saw about three women go like this. Boom! All right? Some of you husbands, you see that verse, you're like, yeah, <laughs> hey, man, I would not want to live on the, man, the house with a nagging wife. Boy, amen, preacher. Okay, listen. Ladies, before you send me any, any emails about this, okay? Remember, Proverbs was written by a man or a father to his son. So, of course, the advice to the son is, you better watch out about these women that you're hanging out with, and if, and if they're, they're verbally abusive or toxic or whatever, steer clear of them. What would Mrs. Solomon have written to her daughter? Let's, let's find this out. Look at this. Again, I'm kind of making this up, but it's better to live out back in a she-shed than in the house with a toxic husband. And all the ladies said... Amen, right? So it goes both ways. Humility goes both ways. Think about this and what humility does in a home. First of all, humility prevents friction. Okay? Humility, if there's a culture and, and, a, and, and an atmosphere of humility in your home, I guarantee you fighting will be at a minimum. I'm not saying you'll never argue about anything, but I will tell you that humility prevents friction. Look at this scripture. Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Right? And then one more. Look at this, Proverbs 17, 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Humility does all of that. Considering others to be better than yourself. Having the mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, that goes a long way. But not only does humility prevent friction, humility heals friction as well. Now think about Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says this, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Live peaceably with all people. You know, there, there is something about the words, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? We're, we're, we're talk, this is just in plain language now. We're, we're talking about the fact that humility heals friction. We're talking about making amends, A-M-E-N-D-S. Okay? I'm sorry. By the way, this is one of the reasons why our uh, regeneration discipleship ministry on Wednesday nights is so powerfully effective. Uh, because as a part of regeneration, there is a systematic process for going to people whom you have hurt or offended in some way and making amends with them and saying, I am sorry, would you please forgive me? Right? Now think about that in your own home. Husbands saying that to their wives, wives saying that to their husbands, parents saying that to their children, children saying that to their parents, brothers uh, and sisters being reconciled with those words of humility. I rarely ever heard those words in my house growing up. You know, there, were, there was a lot of fighting in my house. 
lot of fighting, a lot of verbal fighting between my mom and dad, most of it which was driven by my dad's alcoholism and, and his pride and all the rest. But I will tell you to this day, I, I can't even watch a TV show or a movie if, there's, if, it, if it depicts like husbands and wives yelling at each other. I just, I got, I got to turn it off. I can't handle it. Because there, there was very little humility in our home, lots of fighting. And, and after there was a fight, there was never really any humility to, to heal. Right? I, I, I want to ask you a question. Husbands, when was the last time you told your wife, I am sorry, would you please forgive me? Wives, when was the last time you said that to your husband? Parents, what, it's so powerful for a parent to be able to apologize to their child when they were wrong, or child to be able to apologize to a parent. The truth is, friends, and I'm not trying to step on your toes too hard, okay, but there's some of you out there that would rather choke than to say those words to your husband or your wife or your child, or your parent. Why? Because it's pride. It, pride, we are eaten up with pride. We are not willing to humble ourselves when we have been wrong and in humility seek healing for that friction. Oh, I'm telling you, if, if love is the most beautiful treasure, I would say humility is the second most beautiful treasure that you could have in your home. Here's the third. The third is this, respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect. And when it comes to respect, this is one of those that we don't often think about. But respect is one of those things, first of all, it's grounded in love. I mean, it, if you love someone, respect soon follows, right? Think about the scripture. First Peter chapter 2, respect everyone and love the family of believers, there, there, there is a certain level of respect in the way we treat people in our homes because we love them. And, and, and you can't possibly say, I respect someone if you don't love them. And you can't possibly say you love them if you don't respect them. There, there's this massive disconnect. Think about 1 John 4. Look at this, 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, meaning here's somebody who says, oh, I'm saved, Oh, yes, I, yes I, I, I've been born again, absolutely. But he hates his brother. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So not only is love grounded in respect, and respect is grounded in love, but here's the other thing I want you to notice. Respect is a two-way street, right? Because parents, you can't possibly come in and expect your kids to respect you if you're just lording it over them as a hypocrite or whatever. There, there's no way you're going to have that, that two-way respect. Respect is a two-way street. Think about Matthew chapter 7. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking. Jesus said, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Respect is a two-way street. Mom, Dad, if you want to be respected, you can't, you can't be a tyrant over your children. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, okay? But, but, but at the same time, it goes both ways. Now, think about the parent-child relationship. Let's just zero in on that. Ephesians chapter 6, look at this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long in the land. Now, there's a command to children. Oh, but wait a minute. Here's one for fathers and for parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why is it so easy for us as parents to sometimes feel like we are the, 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 the high potentate kings and queens of the home, and the kids have to do whatever we say, but we're not willing to respect them as well, and we tend to exasperate them with, with our positional authority. Right? Respect is a two-way street. So years ago, there, there was a Marine general by the name of Lewis Puller. His, his middle nickname was Chesty. I, I don't even know where they came up with that. But this guy is most likely, if any, if any of y'all have been in the Marines, you know this is the most famous Marine in the history of the Marines. I mean, when you go to Paris Island boot camp and you're laying in your bed at attention at night, just before they turn the lights out, the last thing you're supposed to say is, good night, Chesty Puller, wherever you are. I mean, that's just one of those old traditions, okay? Grizzled old guy, right? But he started out in the Marines as a private. He enlisted as a private. He was the lowest man on the totem pole and eventually rose to the rank of two-star general. So he, cut, he had a heart for the junior enlisted Marines. And one day when he was a two-star general, he was walking down the street and he noticed a Marine captain with a Marine private standing in front of him berating this guy because he, the, the, the young Marine forgot to salute the captain as they were walking down the street or whatever. And so this captain said, you will salute me 100 times for your failure to salute me. And so this private is just standing there going like this. Just kind of ridiculous exercise in, in correction. Well, here comes Chesty Puller walking down the street, and he looks at the captain, and he says, you will return every one of those salutes. You got it? Right? So every time the private went like this, the captain had to stand in front of the private and return the salute like this. See, because Chesty Puller understood that respect is a two-way street. Respect is a two-way street. But here's the other thing. Respect brings blessings. Okay, respect brings blessings. Now, let me tell you, all you children out there, and if your parents are still alive on this earth, you're still a child with a parent on this earth, and if they've, they've died and passed away, then now you can respect their memory. Right? There, there is a blessing. We, we saw this in Ephesians 6. There is a promise and a blessing for those children who respect their parents. To respect their parents. Now, let me talk to the parents for just a moment, especially those with children 18 and under, but this is true of all contexts. Mom and dad, you would do well to set and maintain and expect a level of respect from your children, okay? Now, call me old-fashioned, you can call me whatever you want to, but in my home, we say yes, sir, and no, sir, we say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. That, that is a non-negotiable. Some of y'all are thinking, man, you, you run your, your house like a tight ship, don't you, pastor? Well, listen, I'm telling you. Because here's the thing. My kids know that they don't just say yeah to me or to their mama. Because if they do, the next two words they're going to hear are excuse me, right? And, and, and if there's a defiant no to, to their mama or to me, that receives swift action. Okay. Again, man, pa Pastor, you, you, run a, you run a tight ship. Hey, let me tell you something, parents. You set and expect and maintain those kind of standards in your home, 
your children's teachers will thank you. And all the educators said, amen, okay? Your, yes, your children's teachers will thank you. Your children's future employers will thank you, okay? The police will thank you, all right? And the entire community will sing your praises simply because you taught your children what it means to respect, and it starts in the home. I'm telling you, that's one of those rare and beautiful treasures that comes with a, a tremendous blessing. But here's the last one. We, we've talked about love. We've talked about humility. We've talked about respect. Now let's briefly talk about prayer. Because prayer is a language that requires words. And, 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 and you show me a family that has given a, a significant place to prayer in their home, I, I will show you a family that is truly blessed. Think about what the Bible says about the powerful results of prayer. James chapter 5. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Prayer certainly produces results externally, but prayer primarily produces results internally in our hearts and in our families. What place does prayer have in your home? Do you pray before you eat a meal? You know, I, I would hope that, that that is such a rhythm event and experience in your home that if, if you sat down to a meal in your home and you just started digging in, I hope your children would be surprised that you didn't pray. Same thing for a restaurant. You go out to eat today, I, I, hope, I hope you would pray in public just like you would in private. What about bedtime? Yes, absolutely, with the little children, you certainly want to have a prayer. I'm talking about the big kids now. You got big teenage boys, you know, in your home. Come on, let's gather around. It's bedtime. We're going to pray. Hold hands. Let's put our arms around our shoulders, whatever. We're going to pray. And, and, and let that become such a rhythm event in your home that if it's bedtime and, and for whatever reason you don't pray, your kids are like, how come we're not praying? I mean, just prayer at home, just the rhythm events. What about the spontaneous prayer? You hear about something going on with, with somebody facing a challenging situation, aunt so-and-so's got cancer, whatever. I mean, let that be a moment of spontaneous prayer. Right now, guys, let's just let's pray about that. Let's pray about that. And even touch points at church. Getting engaged, I love it when I see parents with their children as a part of our prayer partner network up here on, on Sunday mornings. But you don't have to wait till then. On any given Sunday, you, you, know, you know what you could do, dads? You could just say, family, we are going to, this morning for Prayer Partner Network, we're going to go down front and just all pray together as a family. You say, Pastor Phil, we sit all the way in the back. We can't make it down there in time. Fine, there's plenty of room up front. I'm serious. You, you, you could set the pace, dad, and say, family, we're going to pray. Or how about house of prayer? We mentioned that earlier. Dad, mom, if, if at all possible, I know schedules are crazy, but if at all possible, Come to House of Prayer as a family. Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Dad, say, hey, we're going to get up a few minutes early on Sunday morning. We're going to House of Prayer, guys. We're going to pray together as a family. I will tell you, it has massive, massive benefits and blessings 
For example, statistics right now, the average first-time marriage, 40%, 45% end in divorce. But among those families that attend church regularly, and I'm not talking about once every month or once every couple of months, I'm talking about a, a, a consistent attendance at church, that number drops to one in 30. And among those families that attend church regularly and pray together consistently in their own homes, guess what? One in 300 end in divorce. Don't tell me prayer doesn't, doesn't change things and have an impact. But these are the rare and beautiful treasures. I tell you, I mean, I, yes, it, it's wonderful to have a home that, that's, that's put together and decorated nicely. And some of you guys, man, you love to have all those, those deer trophies and everything else on the wall. And just, ladies, you got your things. Nothing compares to, 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 to love and humility and respect and prayer. Those are the rare and beautiful treasures that God wants to bless your home and my home with. Let's pray. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.